This might be a sunny forecast when it comes to housing. New data from TD Bank suggests that home prices in Toronto may increase by nearly 8% in the remainder of 2020 in light of the current state of both the economy and the real estate market. Uh, Rishi Sandhi is a TD economist. He joins the show right now. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Let's get into the specifics of what the TD Bank is forecasting when it comes to the housing market. Sure. Um, So right now we're forecasting a big drop in in sales across the country in 2020. Just as a result of the pandemic, we've seen uh, some of that weakness in in March already in some of the March data. And uh, some of the preliminary data in April is pointing to, to very much the same thing. So that's sort of the sales um, you know, picture from sort of a fifty foot thousand or fifty thousand foot view. Uh, in terms of prices, uh, you know, as you had mentioned, sort of in the lead there, we are expecting a positive price growth overall for twenty twenty um, on average. Um, now, the thing about this price to price growth forecast is that it bakes in a lot of the uh, you know sort of the strong or the momentum that we saw or the strong momentum I should say that we saw sort of in the the, the last part of twenty nineteen, the early part of twenty twenty. So that's that's a factor that uh, that's boosting that home price forecast. Other factors that we expect um, the second half of of the year to be a little bit better, than, well, actually a lot better, I should say, uh, than the uh, the first half of the year from a sales perspective. So that will sort of help help that price forecast as well. So um, you know, again, that, that that's sort of a, a, a high level overview of what we're expecting. Um, so so if, if I'm just going to dig into sort of the price story a little bit more because. You know, if if it were me and I was, you know, opening this report and I was looking at these forecasts, I'd say, oh, my God, prices are going up. Why do you expect prices to go up? Well, as I had mentioned before, I mean, part of that is is some of the strength that we saw sort of in the back half of the year and that factors in the calculation. Some of that is the strength that we saw before the pandemic, and some of that is, is some of the strength that we expect in the second half of the year. But also, you know, crucially, I'd say that um, part of it has to do with the fact that we expect supply to come off at, at sort of uh, the same rate as as demand. So sales have cratered, no doubt, in March and, and April that was, you know, in the, in the data that we've seen. But supply has also come off, um, you know, our, uh, basically just as much, right? So in order to have price declines or significant price declines or sustained price declines, you have to have supply or demand falling more than supply, which is not really the case uh, right now. Both buyers and sellers are moving to the sidelines. So it's not like, you know, there's, a whole bunch of people listing their properties sort of en masse and, and not getting any, uh, you know, any, any people sort of uh, making any bids on their homes. And then they have to sort of for, they're forced to lower their, their selling price. It's not that dynamic going on um, en masse, I'd say, um, because they're, they're moving to the sidelines because of social distancing and what have you as well. Well, and you're not allowed to have an open house anymore. Definitely. I mean, there's virtual tours and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's ways in which, you know, the real estate industry is trying to supplement the experience. So real estate is kind of a, you know, something you have to, you know, go out and, and, and see and check out yourself before you buy, right? So Right. I you mean, know. you don't want to make your decision on based on emotion, but the reality is most people do make their decision on where they want to live based on emotion. You know, you walk into a house, like, for instance, the house that I've lived in for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. As soon as I walked in, I did not feel this with my first house purchase. But as soon as I walked into this house, I went, this is it. And I think a lot of people feel that when they're looking to buy a house and it might not be logical, but there is something to be said for being able to step into that house and, and feel it. Definitely. 100%. I mean, I'm with you. I, my wife and I kind of had the same feeling when we stepped into our, you know, our current place, right. It was, it was sort of perfect for us. Um, you know, we're looking for something, we live in a condo, we're looking for something on the ground floor. 
And, uh, you know, that's, you know, we, we ended up getting that. Uh, so, so we were happy with that purchase, but yeah, it was very much the same thing. You know, we had to be there, be in the unit, check it out, be comfortable with it and then make the purchase. It's such a huge purchase. It's, it's the biggest purchase in, in, in most Canadians lives. So, um, I, I, I think it would be difficult not to actually be in the, you know, in, in the house or the, the townhome or the single, uh, the semi-detached or the condo, whatever you want to purchase and still make that purchase. Your new data suggests that um, home prices in Toronto may increase by nearly 8%. What variables are you looking at that can change this? Because if we get another wave of the pandemic, well, that could be overly rosy. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, that that's, you know, the, there's definitely that risk. Um, you know, if we get a, if the pandemic is, is um, you know, has there's if there's a second wave and stuff has to shut down, for example, you sort of hit the, uh, the nail on the head with that. Um, we do have. Um, you know, our, our our economic forecast assumes that employment will not really, you know, come back in any great shakes in the second half of the year, but it, it'll come back to some extent. So that's, uh, that'll be helpful for, for, for home sales. So one of the main risks there is that the, the pandemic weighs on, on job growth, um, you know, more than anticipated, which, uh, which would, of course, uh, um, you know, weigh on on, on housing demand because job growth is, of course, goes job growth, of course, goes hand in hand with housing demand. Um, so that's one risk. Another risk is that you know, there's we're talking about average home prices here, right? So they can be disproportionately impacted by sales on the top end or the low end of the market, right? It's just the way that the you know the average calculation works. And uh, you know, in a situation where we don't have a lot of volume of transactions, such as now. The you know the, the those sales on the high end of the lower end the market can have even more of an impact than normal. So it's possible that compositional impacts, i.e., less sales at the top end of the market, like we're seeing in April in Toronto, might put a disproportionately you know negative impact on average home prices, um, you know, and 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 drive down some of these these forecasts that you're seeing. Um, so that's another risk. Another risk is that uh, another main major risk is that listings climb a little bit higher than, or I should say supply, climbs a little bit higher than what we're, we're anticipating. So um, we are expecting supply to be, you know, the, the gap between supply and demand to, to grow a little bit over the pandemic. Uh, we're not expecting, you know, supply to fall exactly at the same rate as demand, but there's a chance that it could, that gap could be even 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 greater, which would put... Uh, Rishi, no can I just cut in for a second and ask you if that supply is going to be the effect of people having to... Um, uh, basically sell their homes because they just got into homes that they uh, couldn't afford anyways. They they kind of aim too high. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's part of it. And we do have that baked into our forecast. Now, our forecast also considers the fact that, you know, banks are, are extending, uh, you know, they're, they're doing mortgage deferral programs for up to six months. There's been a you know significant uptake on those those programs as well. However, I, I would note that the the uptake on those programs has actually slowed in recent weeks, which is you know which is a positive sign from that perspective. So that's good. Some of the alternative lenders are also offering a little bit less uh, generous uh, deferral programs. So that's that's helpful. Now, in terms of the job losses uh, that we've seen so far in March, I mean they're historic. You know, a million plus job losses. Uh, which is which is absolutely uh, you know unprecedented and really really you know obviously paints a, a very difficult picture, but uh, you know most of those job losses were in industries that pay you know a little bit you know sort of below average with respect to wage, and uh, so so what that means is that you know you have some of the lower wage some of the younger workers that became unemployed and chances are at least uh, you know a significant share of those people weren't homeowners. To begin with, or or maybe uh, you know the home ownership rates in that particular cohort are perhaps a little bit less 
that may take some of the bite off of, off of the, the fallout to ownership uh, housing demand there as well. We're speaking with Rishi Sandi, who is a TD economist. Uh, Rishi, pre-pandemic, condos were having a heyday. They were high demand. Value was increasing in condos. Sure. They're really the entry level in the GTA for a lot of people that most likely would be affected by the downturn. Are people, do you think we're going to see uh, fewer buyers into the condo market because it's harder to socially distance, especially when it comes to, you know, elevators and taller buildings? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that that's an interesting nuance that you sort of brought up. But, I, you know, I don't think any asset class will be spared. You know, you get your single attached that'll fall, you got condos that'll fall, and they're already falling, right? So it's, it's you know, one thing that's that's part of the discussion is that stock markets have, have really, you know, sort of tanked in the wake of the pandemic, right? So there's a lot of first-time homebuyers that are depending on that equity to, you know, for their down payment, right? So they have their... Per- Actually, I think uh, there's been some surveys out there by some real estate boards and what have you that indicates that personal savings is the number one vehicle through which the first-time home buyers, you know, uh, finance their down payments. Um, so, and a lot of that personal savings is kind of tied up in the equity market or the stock market, right? So, if the stock market falls, that means uh, you know these these uh, these savings kind of erode. So that that sort of hits the the first-time home buyer's ability to to get into these units, and then it'll of course uh, show up on the condo market in Toronto for sure, because you know condos are pretty much the only game in town, mostly for for first time home buyers. Do you anticipate an exodus from the city? Um, like, say, people looking at the suburbs or a rural town uh, is something more attractive than they did, you know, in the past twelve months. Months. I don't. No, I don't think so. I don't think that that's really the. Uh, I, I I think uh, you know the pandemic is sort of impacting you know businesses uh, across Ontario. So I don't think there's any place you can kind of go in and and hide. Uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, the, the, the industries that are holding up relatively well from an employment perspective, you know, a lot of them are clustered in Toronto, right? So there's, there's you know, that removes a bit of an incentive there uh, to, to, to move away. So I, I don't think that... But doesn't working from home put an incentive in moving away? Because a lot of those places are tech-based. A lot of those jobs are tech-based. And now, arguably, like I'm working from home, a lot of people are working from home. Couldn't that be an argument for why it's um, maybe more attractive to move to another area outside the city? Uh, no, again, I, I don't really think so. I, I mean, uh, um, again, like, uh, you know, as you see, a lot of those jobs are, are in Toronto. And I don't think that, you know, once we once we start returning to our, our workplaces, you know, in some to some extent, I, I still think, you know, I don't think people are going to be working from home five days of the week once the pandemic starts to lift. I think, you know, people will, will, will go back to their places of work. And I don't think it'll be advantageous to, to be moving away in, in sort of that situation. And again, I don't know, like, I, I'm not really sure what the, what, you know, what the incentives are to, to sort of move away. I mean, you have potentially have cheaper housing, but you can't, you know, you, you, you can't purchase that now anyways, right? So, so why mm-hmm. would you you know, why would you, why, what's, what's the incentive to move away? I mean, still, I mean, you know, just given the fact that I think that people are going to get back into their, their offices when, when we do come back, I don't think, you know, I don't think, uh, again, uh, businesses are going to switch to a full on work from home model. Uh, so I, I, you know, you know, given the commuting pressures and all that, I don't think that's going to happen. Rishi, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Kelly.